Ed. It's a good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Courtney Cup, Henny Cup again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. Hey, we discuss local local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Chujank, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. Mm-hmm. You are right, Dega. This portion of the show is supported by Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. That's Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. Hey, we have our friend, uh, uh, former state uh, representative of North Dakota, Ruth Buffalo, on in a second here. And what we want to do, too, is we have our other friend from Wisconsin, uh, Governor Evers, with a update. So why don't we take a quick listen here, uh, Chujanka, of what uh, the governor of Wisconsin has to say. Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update. This week I delivered my sixth State of the State address where I declared 2024 the year of the worker in Wisconsin and announced my plan to address some of the pressing issues facing our state. And chief among them is addressing our state's workforce challenges and making sure our workforce is prepared to meet the needs of a 21st century economy. Last year, we saw record low unemployment and record high labor force participation. But much work needs to be done to address our state's workforce challenges. I announced 2024 as the year of the worker in Wisconsin, and my administration is going to keep working to bolster our state's workforce through a new health care workforce task force to find long-term solutions to address our health care industry shortages, a new teacher apprenticeship pathway to allow new educators to earn while they learn, and a new Office of State Employee Engagement and Retention to ensure that the state of Wisconsin is leading the way by example in recruiting and retaining talented workers. Solving our state's workforce challenges is going to take all of us working together, and several things are key. We must expand paid leave, invest in public education at every level from early childhood to our technical colleges and universities, and find a long-term solution to our state's looming child care crisis. Folks, lack of accessible, affordable child care is a statewide workforce issue. Republicans are on the clock to develop a comprehensive workforce plan including making the meaningful investments necessary to prevent the collapse of our child care industry, which is essential for maintaining our current levels of workforce participation. Wisconsin, we've proven this in the past year that we can do big things if we're willing to do them together. I know we can build upon these efforts in 2024, and together we will. Let's get back at it, and let's get to work. Thank you, and take care. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Hey, Pina Gigi, Governor, for that update. Uh, really excited. Uh, and thank goodness uh, in that purple state we have uh, uh, a Governor Evers there leading the well way. Um, well, we have uh, our friend uh, Ruth Buffalo, who we haven't talked to in a while. And, uh, Ruth, I saw you setting up a nice background there and looking good. So, uh, Pina Gigi, for being on, and it's great to see you. Yes, Mazigirads. Thank you for having me. Hey, I, I just uh, touching just a little bit on the governor, what the uh, governor said. Uh, just a, a great, you know, Democratic governor there in Wisconsin and holding holding uh, holding it tight there for uh, our, our uh, blue state, uh, purple state, uh, you know. And so we're really excited that he's still there and vetoing bad, bad bills. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's important to have um, a Democratic um, governor for sure. I mean, it's been exciting watching um, the blue trifectas across the country, especially our neighboring state of Minnesota, um, also Michigan. I'm a big fan of. Um, apologize for the puppy in the background, but 
Um, <laughs> no, so, we yeah. like puppies. Don't, no problem. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. That's, that's why everyone knows it's live. Hey, uh, so what have you been up to? I know, uh, will I be seeing you this uh, February 14th uh, in Minnesota? Will you be up there for uh, the MMIW walk? Yes, I believe so. Um, I was invited back again this year, so always go where I'm invited, of course. And so um, used to live in Minneapolis back in the day before, you know, having a family. Um, so, yeah, it's always good to be back in Minis- in Minneapolis. Right on. And then I'm in the uh, the neighboring city, St. Paul, and we, we love St. Paul, too. Hey, uh, so what have you been up to? I know um, your work is... I don't know. You're probably busier than you were when you were a state representative. I would see your Facebook stuff. Uh, how about an update of what you've been doing? Um, yeah, I am actually, I think, a lot busier than I was when I was in office. Um, but just trying to help where I can. Um, we have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. Um, still doing some grassroots work with um with prisons, also with women, uh, all genders, and trying to prevent further violence from happening. Uh, my daughter, myself, and another community member, who we're all members of our local uh, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Task Force here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. So we went up to Spirit Lake uh, this past um, Sunday to help with search efforts. Um, there's a young uh, enrolled member of the Spirit Lake Nation who has been missing since January 5th. Um, and her baby is about eight months old right now. Um, this young lady is 21 years old. And so we went to offer support um, and still no new leads have transpired. Um, and it's very, very concerning. And so we're hoping that not only within tribal lands um, or current present day tribal lands, that we hope that also surrounding communities such as Carrington, Jamestown, Devil's Lake, uh, we'll also continue to be on the lookout for this young lady. Wow. Um, Pini Gigi, thank you for doing that. And it's just amazing. Um, I don't know much about it, but uh, if you guys are searching and it's been since uh, you know January 5th, how, how has the police been dealing with this up there? Are they, are they helping or are they into the old, uh, well, he's probably gone and coming back and, and really, uh, you know, not giving a red alert as if it was somebody uh, other than a native girl. Um, well, we are um, hopeful that she's still alive. Um, and we believe that there's a coordinated effort happening behind the scenes um, that the public might not see um, you know, regularly. But we are hopeful that different agencies will take action um, and, you know, Camp Grafton is not far from Spirit Lake. It's actually between Spirit Lake Nation and Devil's Lake. Um, and that is where they're working on, I believe, held, hosting or having a new uh, police, Indian Police Academy training there. So that area um, is known, you know, across uh, federal agencies. And so we're hoping that more uh, resources are um, put towards the search efforts. You know, we mm-hmm. think of the imbalance of where resources are going. You know, we have uh, so much resources that go overseas to help uh, fund wars, but yet we have uh, continued ongoing genocidal behaviors happening right here in our own backyard uh, within present day United States. And so this has to end, this has to stop. You know, when will our country declare uh, the MMIP, MMIR, MMIW crisis a national emergency? Uh, and so we're waiting, but yet we can't wait on the, the different levels of government. We have to take action ourselves. So, well, well Ruth, you, yeah, <laughs> Ruth, you're you're a doer, and uh, I appreciate you. And uh, we really, uh, you know, I, you do things, and you're out in the community. And uh, I wanted to say again, a big peeny geeky. We're going to hold you off here in another hour, uh, another hour. <laughs> it's like the old days, Ruth, keeping you on an hour. Uh, we'll uh, take a break here and uh, ask you a few other things, too. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the uh, movies or the late movies since we last talked. But, I mean, there's that nice one, the fry, bu- fry bread one on Netflix that really warms our heart. And, of course, uh, I don't think I've talked to you about Killers of the Flower Moon yet either. Okay. 
So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Hey, we're with former state representative Ruth Buffalo of North Dakota, of North Dakota, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And, and some, some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Life can be hectic. Sometimes the pressure can feel like too much, and the emotions can be overwhelming. Hennepin County's Cope Mobile Crisis Response is here to listen and help you find a way through whatever is going on in your life. Call 612-596-1223 for no-cost crisis support anytime, anywhere in Hennepin County. That number is 612-596-1223. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts, and that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside. And Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, we're excited, as always, to have former North Dakota State Representative Ruth Buffalo on. And, uh, Ruth, uh, we had uh, uh, Heather Keeler on a couple days ago, and we were talking about uh, when we were doing the Sunday night symposiums, when we were checking in all over Turtle Island, and I know... You specifically got a lot of those guests uh, to check in from all over Turtle Island, and uh, we should maybe try and do another Sunday night symposium and check in uh, coming up just to, just for old times' sake. We had like uh, ten thousand people watching it on Facebook uh, <laughs> at the time; it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that, those were fun times. <laughs> well, you were a big part of it. You were on every show, and you got a lot of really great guests. Uh, and and then were former uh, some of them were former teammates of yours when you played basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've all went on to become doctors, lawyers, lawmakers, uh, teachers. You know, pillars within the community. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it really is. And I and I just was thinking about that. And I, it's a big peeny gigi that uh, that you help so much with that because you know during during COVID we didn't know, and that was before the vaccine or anything we didn't know what was going on and then uh that one warrior from uh the only woman doctor down in uh um uh uh, Arizona. uh Navajo. Yeah. yeah yeah that was amazing right yeah no she um she's an amazing young lady i believe she also has a master of public health but yep we've played a lot of tournaments together. They call it the independent ball tournament or the Indian ball circuit. Um, we've won a few national titles together, um, national uh, American Indian. I forget what it's called today, but it's like the national native American athletic association uh, where they hold national tournaments every year, April, May, and they rotate uh, locations. But yeah, actually from playing in those tournaments, I was, able to uh, finish at a school in South Dakota and was offered a basketball scholarship from yeah. playing in 
those tournaments. So, <laughs> so uh, can you still play? Have you played lately? Uh, no, I, um, I, I'm actually coaching uh, the Girl Twins YMCA basketball team this year. Nice. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, last time I coached uh, was my son's second grade YMCA team. Um, and two of those players, including him, are still playing, and they're actually playing together on the varsity team as juniors. Um, so, yeah, so it's been a while since I last coached, but still have it. It's in our blood, <laughs> in our, right in our language. So, yeah. That's exciting. That's great. Um, I, before we talk a little bit about uh, about uh, the media and uh, especially the good media that's been coming up uh uh, and with native and native rep- representation and the reservation dogs and things like that. Um, I'm wondering, um, do you have any feeling about getting back? Because I know uh, there's people out there asking about you and for you. Uh, do you have any inkling about getting back into the ring here? As a, I know you worked so hard and got gerrymandered out of your job, which just made us all so sad. Um, you know, do you have any uh, inkling about coming back and putting the gloves on and running again? I am not sure exactly. You know, I've been I've been asked um, a few times now, um, and they're reminding me, saying, "Well, most people need to be asked at least three times." So, you know, <laughs> just be on the lookout. We're gonna, you know, we're at number two right now. You know, so. Um, but I don't know that I. I'm not sure. I mean, every day I have boxing gloves on. I, it feels like, you right. know, to fight against um, or fight for equal treatment, better treatment, justice, um, you know, every day, just, you know, as a mom, whether it's, you know, standing up to bullies in in every level of school system, because we have kids in the elementary school system, we have a son in the high school and a daughter at uh, the community college level. So um, plenty to do. And I, you know, will definitely, I'm helping make sure that we have representation in each of our, our districts um, right. within our state party. Um, there's a lot of vacant uh, leadership positions open across the state in our, our DEM NPL districts. And so um, not many people know the just the basic information of, you know, if you show up, you have high chances of becoming a district chair or the second state policy rep in those two mm-hmm. positions have a vote uh, during our state policy committee meetings that meet only quarterly, but you have a say in party who is our party leadership. You know, you have mm-hmm. a say in party platform, you know, so just showing up is half of the battle, but not everybody knows this information. And so really trying to encourage each other to expand the the scope or the reach, you know, cast a wide net, you know, so we can get more diverse people in these spaces rather than continuing to recycle the same people in different leadership positions. So it's just really trying to raise awareness, do a lot of outreach. But again, it's, you know, it's just all volunteer, but it's all, you know, of course, from the heart, because anything that we do, it's going to make a big difference in the long run. We might not even live to see it, but hopefully, you know, our great greats will. Well, I, I agree, and you're a doer, and I think what you just said there is a lot uh, is is a lot to do because uh, people need to know that uh, they're just like everybody else, and they can run, they can be involved. It isn't an elitist thing, and even though some parties want you to think that, um, you know, one of the things here, Ruth, I don't know if you know this, but in St. Paul, we had a new city council uh, election, and every one of the uh, people in St. Paul, they're all women. They're all BIPOC except one, and they're all under uh, thirty years, or all under forty years old. That is amazing. I mean, it's so hopeful. I remember seeing that on uh, the space formerly known as Twitter, but that was so <laughs> exciting to see. Uh, we need more of that in North Dakota. Um, I think everywhere else is pretty diverse, except for North Dakota. And so North Dakota has a lot of work to do. And, and for some reason, there, there there's a shift that um, is happening everywhere else but North Dakota. And so I think North Dakota is trying very hard to hang on to, right. you know, that. Um, so things do need to change, and, and it's going to change uh, regardless. But there's a lot of resistance. Yeah, like I bring this up a lot, uh, Ruth, but like Haley's a, a Gen Zer, uh, the producer, and my Chujank, my my niece, and she, uh, no nepotism there, by the way. 
you know, she's never been uh, uh, had any phone call about polls or any of, the, of that. So when you listen to the media out there, they're making it sound like it's closer than it is and, and maybe trying to discourage people to go out and vote. Because, like I always say, we outnumber them. And if you want to do something and are worried, not you, Ruth, because you're doing a lot, but a, a Gen Z or anybody out there, get involved, get people uh, uh, registered, and because we outnumber them. And we got to remember we have the power, and don't let anyone tell you different. Yes, for sure. Um, our daughter, you know, the oldest, she's a Gen Zer as well. And yeah. um, I, I believe she is the youngest. Uh, member within uh, our state policy committee. Um, and so she is uh, District 27's uh, second state policy rep. And so she she has voting power um, and she is learning a lot. But again, it's, you know, just showing up. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think many people realize that. But yeah, I believe she is the youngest member in the North Dakota Democratic Nonpartisan League's uh, state policy committee. Um, and so wow. that's... Um, more needs more. We need more of that, though. You know, we need more people in these spaces um, because oftentimes the average age is, um, you know, sixty plus. <laughs> I would say, no, no offense to our our relatives, yeah. who are sixty plus, but um, we definitely need to hear more from Gen Z uh, across the board because they're, you know, we have to keep thinking of future generations. Absolutely. Well, I am 60 plus. I'm 62, going to be 63 pretty soon. But I know what you mean because Gen Z outnumbers uh, the boomers now and we have to, and they saved us the last election. And I think uh, we have to re-engage them and and also uh, register, register, register new voters. And I think that really makes a difference uh, and can make a really big difference in, in this political uh, atmosphere. Yes, for sure. And and one thing that's unique about North Dakota is we don't have voter, we don't require voter registration. Um, and so we are having a presidential Democratic primary, which will be all mail-in ballots, with mm-hmm. the exception of pop-up polls within tribal lands. Um, but we're also hoping to, you know... Um, you get the base, uh, you know, activated and, and mm-hmm. hope to bring in more new voters, uh, more new contacts uh, that we can be able to recruit for these party leadership positions. Because uh, especially in Western North Dakota, um, where I'm from, Fort Berthold Indian Reservation, uh, which is in uh, right in the middle of the oil country or oil mm-hmm. counties, uh, which predominantly tends to lean more to the right or to the red um, GOP side. And so we're hoping that uh, we can get more more representation in those areas, get it more blue. Um, but again, it's just that having those table conversations, those one-on-one conversations with each other really makes a big difference, you know, finding common ground. Uh, we all want to live good, healthy, safe lives. And how can we come together for future generations? Absolutely. Wow, Ruth, you know, always such a pleasure uh, to have you on. And we didn't get to talk about the Oscars, which is fine. We talked about more important things and all the great work you're doing and what a great example you are for your family, your daughter's taking the reins. And I don't know, I always get emotional when I when I see you and hear you. And I'm just really appreciative that you uh, spent some time with us. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Big Gigi. thank you so much. That was uh, former state representative uh, of North Dakota, Ruth of Buffalo. We'll be right back after this short break, Haley. Stay with us. All right. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. 
Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, Right here on AM 950. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving. Getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever ever securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. End-of-life decisions are not easy to make. Hi, I'm Mary T. of Mary T. Hospice Care. It's important to make sure that this difficult time is meaningful and comforting to you and your loved ones. Our hospice team provides an individualized program of physical, emotional, spiritual, and practical care so your loved one is comfortable and not in pain. At Mary T. Hospice, we understand that choosing the right hospice care provider can be overwhelming, but we're here to assist you. Learn more today at MaryTInc.com. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Dense fog overnight with a low of 32. Friday morning, freezing fog possible, then afterwards cloudy through the day with a high of 38. Vinaigrette can add the perfect complement to your next home-cooked meal. Vinaigrette is located at 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis. Check them out at vinaigrettemn.com. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Development Institute, or NACD, in Minneapolis. Yes, it is. And, hey, uh, we have our uh, special guest. Uh, they're all special. Why do I even say that? But Dr. Maureen Hackett, president and uh, founder of Howling for Wolves and uh we got some uh, kind of disturbing news going on here. Uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Hackett. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I love your well, show. Thank you so much. And uh, we uh, really appreciate what you do for our community. And uh, and uh, it's you, you always have an open-door policy to come on any time. But we have something kind of urgent going on here, and I know we don't like to talk about other organizations, but I think, uh, as you said it in our email, it's time to out these people and talk about what's going on behind closed doors and in small communities. Yes, um, many people may have heard about this um, 
front group is what I will call it, uh, hunters for hunters, but they're really an anti-wolf hunting group. I mean, it's an anti-wolf. Stirring the pot, using the ruse that they're kind of stirring the pot using the ruse that deer are uh, in trouble because we have too many wolves. And many people don't buy that. Uh, most deer hunters know that many factors affect wolf, or many factors besides wolves affect deer. And uh, by the way, wolves are supposed to eat deer. <laughs> I mean, why don't we just say it, everybody? Wolves are supposed to eat deer. That's what we want them to eat. <laughs> So anyway, it's a scary group because they mention another group frequently in some of their meetings and in their on their Facebook page. And that other group is Hunter Nation. And Hunter Nation is the group out of Kansas that filed the lawsuit in Wisconsin in 2021 that got the wolf hunt started in Wisconsin in February of 2021, the disastrous wolf hunt. So their real goal, their true goal, and they have it on their website, is to have wolves lose federal protections so that the DNR can hold a wolf hunt and that wolves can, quote, be controlled throughout the country. But this is really just an extension of the historic extermination of the wolves. And the funding for this seems to be possibly the Utah legislature, believe it or not. Wow. In, uh, yeah. Several years ago, the Utah legislature gave $500,000 to a group. I don't know the name. I know there was a man named Don P-A-E-Y who testified for it. And the purpose of the money was to sow um, ill will towards the wolf in the Midwest in order to garner support to delist the wolves federally. Hmm. Believe it or not, the Utah is not very nice to wild animals. And they, for example, have open season on I'm, I'm pretty sure I was told this by HSUS on mountain lions all year. So there's wow. a, yeah, I think the people in the know tell me that Utah is not nice to wild animals. So, so anyway, they don't want a wolf protected in their state. And so the, they were talked into this one. Anyway, so that's a little digression. Uh, the problem is, is we need to make our voices as loud or louder than theirs and let our legislators know, don't buy what they're serving. Don't mm -hmm. eat what they're serving. Do not believe. Don't worry. Nobody's believing them that somehow we uh, have run, wolves running amok and have to, that they somehow have the answers for how we should, quote, manage wolves. It is nothing like that. And the man who's their spokesperson is a deer farmer. So he's not even a true deer hunter. He's a deer farmer who actually has a lawsuit, and I have a reference for this, amongst many people, he has a lawsuit um, about the deer farming rules that will reduce the spread of CWD. So um, he tends to overstate things in a big way. For example, today I listened to an interview that he did where he said that wolves are going to ruin the legacy of deer hunting in our state. And we're breaking the chain of moving that legacy from one generation to the other because we have too many wolves. Wow. So um, they misread the, the number 1600, which is the bottom number should have always been the bottom number, but they misread the DNR wolf plan and say that we should quote manage wolves to 1600, which would be a disaster for their genetic diversity and pose a disaster to their recovery because, as you know, wolves are carnivores. Their population may boom or bust, and mm. we humans don't know which wolves are going to die, which wolves won't get a disease or will get a disease, but one parvovirus outbreak can kill 90% of wolves. So we need to leave them alone. They don't tolerate humans well. They don't ha handle traffic well. They starve many times. Pups starve. Wolves struggle. And they don't get much help. They don't get any help from us. Right. So um, they don't need us to kill them. We know wolf killing is going on illegally. We know this from the DNR's own collared wolf data. And we now think as of 2019 that the annual mortality of wolves, at least in their study, was shown to be 43%. That means one out of two wolves have a chance of dying every year. That means that we're not letting the population age on mm -hmm. average. We're not letting them grow. Before any of the wolf hunts in 2004, the annual mortality was 20%. 
meaning only one out of five wolves would die every year. Hmm. So they could grow a pack. They could grow a culture. They could learn how to support themselves. So all this talk of wolves running amok, it's probably possibly all the broken packs that has been uh, made both from the hunts, but mostly the illegal killing that went on long after the hunts. You know, we're talking about delisting again, and we're talking about the Republicans trying to lead that way. Um, you know, in, in something I was reading, Stauber is like uh, leading the way up there. And again, you know, what a bad person. Well, I don't think people realize the first author of the bill that he is touting and that Hunters for Hunters is garnering support for was actually authored by Lauren Boebert, Boebert out of Colorado. She's the author of a bill to delist wolves and make it not judicially reviewable throughout the country. And they're thinking that they're going to get Senator Klobuchar to sign on to that bill Mm. or take it up in the Senate. I don't think she's, I think she has much more political smarts than that so that's that's hope though because you know she's been around a long time and uh she gets a high percentage of uh uh of votes in the state and that ought to tell you that she's kind of in the middle and not uh, as progressive as we'd hope but uh let's hope so because years ago she was not friendly with the wolves Well, and she still has a mixed relationship with wolves for sure. For example, we really need people to take an action on our website where we are calling her out for signing onto a bill that Senator Tammy Baldwin is sponsoring, which is called the Great, the Northern Great Lakes Wolf Recovery Act. And it, it's not as bad because they don't have a no judicial review, but it misleads people into thinking that the states can handle the wolves, that the states will continue their recovery. And what I always say is, look, there wouldn't be a problem delisting wolves if the states would actually continue their recovery instead of immediately killing them. Now, I noticed a a chat question that asked whether tribes with the wolf clan, if we're garnering help, uh, have you contacted wolf clans from different tribes? I did send out several emails to several um, tribal Department of Natural Resources, Anishinaabe tribes, Ojibwe tribes. I haven't received one response. I need to work harder, but I have done that round back in 2012, and all the Anishinaabe tribes were against the wolf hunt, and they had written the Department of Natural Resources in Minnesota, and they were treated so disrespectfully. Um, Red Lake Nation then, at my request, I went to their tribal council meeting in 2012, July. They actually put together a letter, a resolution to ask the governor to not have a wolf hunt. And they all, it was unanimous. And, and we posted it on our website. It was just so disrespectfully taken. So now that we have more legislators that are tribal members, and I guess I'm asking for your help. I'm asking anybody to help me get some people in leadership who represent the tribes to really help us get a hearing on this bill. Because actually what Hunters for Hunters is doing is they're sowing sort of this angst amongst Democratic lawmakers about whether they're going to give us a committee hearing on prohibiting wolf hunting because they don't want Hunters for Hunters coming in and they have to let them probably, and we say bring it on, we can handle it. You know, I'm mm-hmm. actually a psychiatrist. I handle angry people. <laughs> and I really, and I'm a former military officer, you know, give me a chance to show what I've got, you know, I can right handle on. it. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's, it's a good idea to reach out to the tribes and, uh, we should talk more about that, uh, one-on-one, uh, over the phone or something. Uh, yes. You know, we always bring this up when this comes up and we have all this different verbiage and all these tricky words. And, you know, uh, Stauber says something like, you know, in Minnesota, we have 50 percent of the wolf population in the country. And, you know, me, I'm proud of that. And he wants to blow them away with that information. We have the last population that did not go extinct. We There was recently a genetic diversity study that showed we have the most genetically diverse wolves, and they're losing their diversity out west because they're killing them so much. So we really need to leave them alone and let them work out their genetics. You know, we can't. Right. We don't know that. We're not. We don't know, you know. So, right. yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. 
that we also have to remind everyone out there too, you know, that our lieutenant governor of the great state of Minnesota is in the Wolf Clan, and I know as a Ho Chunk we have a Wolf Clan, and that's uh, uh, and I'm sure all the other eleven tribes in Minnesota have Wolf or eleven ten tribes uh, have a Wolf Clan too. So I, I think it's good to have you on, and we should really amplify this as much as we can, because I haven't heard anything about this until now. Well, I need to talk to you personally about a particular person saying that Senator Fong Her was uh, made an error about Wolf Clan identification, and he he did not make an error. So we we actually need to bolster their self confidence with the lawmakers with the fact that if we didn't jump in in 2012, there would be no wolves. If I was afraid of a conflict, we wouldn't have a wolf. We had to jump in. We had to insert ourselves. So we're there now and we're standing our ground and we need the legislators to pass the bill because when, when our Lieutenant governor and governor are no longer in office, we won't have the same support for the wolf. So that's why we're trying so hard this legislative session to solidify some protections at the state level, because even if it goes bad everywhere else, we can protect these wolves. Dr. Hackett, can you stick stick on for a little more uh, next segment? Absolutely. Hey, this is Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's native communities. Minneapolis Air dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis Air on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. Become a teacher and ignite change. Join the St. Paul Urban Residency Program to become a teacher in just 15 months. You can earn your master's degree and teaching license from the University of St. Thomas while earning a $30,000 stipend, single health care, and dental benefits. As an added bonus, next year's cohort, all residents will receive $20,000 towards their tuition. Apply now. Applications due February 28, 2024. Visit spps.org backslash S-U-T-R. As we age, it's important to invest in our health and to help protect it. Like the flu, COVID-19 is always changing. That's why it's important to stay up to date on your vaccines. By getting the flu and COVID-19 vaccines, you can renew your body's defenses and lower the risk of getting sick. Get your health boost and protect yourself against the flu and COVID-19. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. That's vaccines.gov. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Anin, I'm Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and you are listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? How? <laughs> that was the best howl. Um, hey. Right on. Hey, we're here with Dr. Maureen Hackett, president and founder of Howling for Wolves. And uh, we're talking about a few little disturbing things that are going on here. And um, I, I guess, Maureen, before I get uh, get into it here with this last segment, we want to call to action and we want them to go to your website. And let's, let's give that out to your Facebook and your website and get people that are listening all over the country here in, in Minnesota, too, uh, to check in what the heck's going on here, because this is all like backdoor stuff in the country. I know. Uh, Howlingforwolves.org, we have a take action button, which has two actions. One is for Minnesotans and one is for everybody, including Minnesotans. So the take action is about 
writing, uh, it's basically writing the senators, U.S. senators, uh, in particular, if they're from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar, because of her bill, um, and getting the other senators throughout the country to not support her bill. And then at the state level, we've been not, we haven't been pushing it a huge amount, but we have it up and it's ready to go. And we want people to start taking actions to tell their state legislators they don't want a wolf hunt and to support non-lethal methods funding and to support a prohibition on wolf hunting. Um, we have really good reasons for that. And I think people don't even really know how cruel wolf hunts are. They're really not somebody sitting in a deer stand and shooting a wolf with some, some you know, uh, acumen and accuracy. No, 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 no. It's baiting, it's trapping, and it's snaring. And it's, and really these guys are, these guys, these trappers that do this, I know for a fact that many of them beat the wolves to death because they don't want to have a mark in the pellet. So they're, they're up close and personal on that wolf, you know? And the other thing is, is I have an article where the DNR talked about how the wolves behave in traps when they approach them for mm -hmm. research. Wolves cower. Wolves are afraid of humans. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, as much as we, I, I know people don't want to hear these distressing thoughts and they are traumatizing and we try to, we try to remain positive. But I think it's important people see, you know, this isn't really about somebody sitting in a deer stand and waiting for a wolf to walk by. So um, so we have those two actions, howlingforwolves.org. We have a great Instagram account called Howling with the Number Four Wolves. And we always have the same stuff we have on that. We have on Facebook. We have quite a bit of engagement there. And we're on X, I believe. We are. But um, we've been mostly focusing on Instagram and Facebook, but we are on X. And... Um, yeah, so take the action. But more importantly, what we're going to be trying to do is getting people to actually possibly send postcards. I have a, a bunch I'm ready to distribute to their mm -hmm. legislators so that they don't just see it as an electronic action. So we want to do that. We want mm -hmm. people to maybe, you know, actually try to make a meeting with their legislator, even if it's not during Wolf Day, which is April 17th. We're going to have people gather at the Capitol on April 17th. So we've got it all planned. We just need people to show up. And generally, wolf people do show up. We just know that it's been, um, you know, we've asked them to show up a lot. So we want, we just want to emphasize this is a short session, starts February 12th, ends May 22nd. And somewhere in between, we need to, we need to protect the wolf. Absolutely. So I think we need uh, to have you on a lot more uh, before the, the 12th to, uh, to engage people. We have a lot of people out there listening uh, that are uh, totally behind Howling for Wolves. And you've been uh, a partner of ours for so many years. And, you know, we don't take that lightly here because of what you do and how you support us, but also what you what your work is. So, you know, Wendy and I and Haley are so proud to have you as a, as a, a guest and somebody that knows what's going on and, uh, you know, in doing this work. So we support you and I personally will uh, do whatever I can. We really appreciate it. I think, I think really now's the time. I think most mm -hmm. people think that with Lieutenant Governor Flanagan in, in her position that we probably won't have a wolf hunt. I mean, I, I, can't imagine that happening, but their term is up in two years. We don't know what's going to happen then. And we don't know what's going to happen this fall. So that's why there's a sort of this level of urgency. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing though. It's amazing. I, I will tell you this. I think the wolf has, is so easily vilified and so easily used as a political pawn. Basically politicians trade favors off the back of the wolf because the wolf you know, what does the wolf have to offer besides their beauty, their their symbolism, their creativity? I mean, all the things that we value and the mm -hmm. fact that they just are a sentient being. But we are training Western children right even right now. If you look at the Disney movie Frozen, you see the mm -hmm. scene of wolves. You look at all these these caricature of wolves and then you see how we've merged fear of death right. with wolf in fairy tales. Yeah. So, 
so we have to we have to kind of even if some of these hunters for hunters don't know it and don't believe it they they seem they they have an internalized conditioned response to the word wolf and that is fear right and if we as a human population and this is what i would say to a leader in politics politics if as a human population we could figure out a way to allow wolves to coexist and for us to not react to fear and instead be logical and also compassionate and humane, we actually would move a few steps forward as a society. You know, we would actually probably mm-hmm. learn a little bit more about how to treat each other. And uh, I think it's a challenge that we should we should take and not back away from. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Hackett, you've been in this uh, business for a long time. But thousands of years ago, Native Americans watched uh, wolf pack and, and uh, taking from what, how they treat their young and who leads the pack and all those things into our uh, DNA and our history as Native Americans across Turtle Island. Yes. You know, I, was, um, I had to visit a relative in, in, a, in, a, in Melbourne, Florida, elderly, elderly. And I went to the Archie Carr National Wildlife Refuge area. Well, it's not a national wildlife refuge, but it's a turtle restoration area. And they talked about how Archie Carr started this turtle restoration, turtle preservation, conservation group in the 50s. And mm. he said, you know, this is, a, this is an animal. This reptile has been here since man, before man. Right. And is in our DNA, basically. We sh- share DNA with this. And if we let this, this, the turtles go we're really letting part of our humanness go. And I think for wolves, it's, it's the same. If we let this wild, sentient, and gentle being go because we cruelly just kill them out of existence, I think it takes away from our humanity. And if I can somehow find a legislative leader to, un- to really take that to heart, to realize this is not what, uh, what I've been called is just a, a love. I've called a, a love affair with this animal. That's what they talk about. That's how they talk about me, that I have a love affair with this animal. Well, at least I have love, right? right. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a big thing. And I mean, it's like, you know, it's between, uh, I don't know, the reptile mind and people that are, <laughs> are in, are in um, you know, people and things that uh, belong here and deserve to be belonged. So, yeah, it's it's it blows my mind. And the wolves blow my mind. They are very intelligent. They are very and they have a moral compass. They feed their young first. They represent humility is what I understand that, you Mm -hmm. know, my Indian in Anishinaabe culture, when you talk to them about what the wolf represents, the eagle might Magizi represents love, but the wolf represents humility. So I'm always trying to channel the wolf when I'm dealing with legislators. Yeah, well, we're here at Native Roots Radio, and I'm here as a citizen of Ho-Chunk Nation to uh, reach out and help you any way we can because it's a big deal. And, And Dr. Hackett, thank you so much for being on, and let's stay in touch and talk soon. And everybody take an action, howlingforwolves.org. And and find out who your legislator is and write them a personal email. Uh, send them a right note. Let's do it. Thank you, Dr. Hackett. Hey, if Thank we're you. still here, we are the seventh generation. And free Leonard Peltier now. Free Leonard Peltier. Yeah.